Hello, my name is Benjamin, and welcome to Affable Chat. Normally on the show, we jump from movie to movie, however we see fit. But for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about the Cape Crusader of Gotham City, Batman. We start our Batman series with the 1989 smash hit, Batman, directed by Tim Burton, starring Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. We'll discuss who Batman is and what makes this Batman so unique. We'll break down the Joker and discover he's not so different from his nemesis. And we'll try to decide if becoming Batman really is the best way for Bruce Wayne to save his city. All this and more on this episode of Apple Chat. All right, Joey, you ready to talk about Batman? Absolutely. I uh, <laughs> I actually I'd heard of this Batman only because of the among all the Batman movies. I'd heard of this one because of the actors that are in it, how it was, you know, somewhat of an important part in their career. But I hadn't seen it, and I feel like a lot of people that I've talked to recently haven't seen it either. Because whenever I refer to this movie, I just tell them it's the Batman from 1989. Yeah, um, I mean it's also Tim Burton's Batman. That's true. And, That's true. That is very true. And you're right. This is kind of a solidification of Michael Cre- Michael Keaton's career. I mean, Birdman uh, is kind of a story about his decline as an actor after being Batman. So, you know, this is kind of a big turning point in his career. Yes, and I mean having a big name director like Tim Burton direct this movie I think was another reason why it's so no like, even if you haven't seen it you at least know of it because you're like oh Tim Burton did a Batman movie and like that was definitely my initial um, I mean that was the first thing I thought of when I started watching this movie it's like how is Tim Burton going to do Batman I honestly expected it to be super wacky and like spooky and it had aspects mm. of that. Like when you first, when the movie first starts out and you get kind of the view of Gotham City, I think it was miniatures uh, used to yeah, create like or, the, or maybe even matte paintings. I'm not sure entirely. It had this really unique style to it. But I mean, this is the first Batman movie since the Adam West series, I think. Or like the, those movies yeah. back in the, like the 60s. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, this, is, this was everyone's Batman for a while. And, you know, take it or leave it, I guess. <laughs> I'm not sure how, um, you know, I'm not sure how that, like, if that was a really big turning point in, like, like bringing Batman back as a well-known character or if that's, you know, Batman's always been a well-known character. Um, I, what I always thought was interesting, at least in this movie, was that, like, how do you know that Bruce Wayne is Batman? Hmm. <laughs> right? I- like... You just kind of assume that he is. There's no, like, reveal that, like, oh, Bruce Wayne is Batman. Right. You just know that Bruce Wayne is Batman. It's almost like it's... I I guess you're right. There's no real reveal. It's just kind of implied because you never see them both on screen at the same time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I can't... Yeah, I'm not saying I'm Batman, but I've... You've never seen him and me in the same room together. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you see Michael Keaton's, you see Bruce Wayne behind like the mirrors with like the cameras and stuff. You see him in the cave, you know, and but do you ever see him take off the mask? Do you ever see him put on the suit? 
not entirely right. You kind of see oh, it. Oh, wait a minute. It, Don't you see him look at the bat suit when he's in the bat cave, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, that That's like an explicit thing. But like, it's never like... It's never played up as a mystery who Batman is, at least not to the audience. Right, okay. It's always for the it's always for the other characters' benefits. They're like, who is Batman? Nobody ever knows who Batman is. There is no Bat, as some of mm. the characters at the beginning said, uh, when he was still kind of a, a myth to the uh, a legend. Yes, <laughs> to the to the ruffians <laughs> of the street. They look they looked bad. <laughs> they did, and I mean, <laughs> their skin was falling off like. <laughs> Not like good. <laughs> anyway, okay, so do you want to start with the synopsis and then we'll dive deeper into this movie? Yes, yes. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way. Okay. Enter on Gotham City. Crime boss Carl Grissom effectively runs the town, but there's a new crime fighter in town, Batman. Grissom's right-hand man is Jack Napier, a brutal man who is not entirely sane. After falling out, after fa- a falling out between the two, Grissom has Napier set up with the police, and Napier falls to his apparent death in a vat of chemicals. However, he soon reappears as the Joker, and starts a reign of terror in Gotham City. Meanwhile, reporter Vicki Vale is in on the city to do an article on Batman. She soon starts a relationship with Batman's everyday persona, billionaire Bruce Wayne. And that um, uh, plot summary was brought to you by Grant SS from IMDB.com. So. Shout out. Thank you, Grant. Thank you, Grant. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but, um, okay. Yeah, well, let's get started with the director of this film, Tim Burton. Sure. And, uh, and like we mentioned before, the city of Gotham. I felt like that was a strong connection to the whole Tim Burton style uh, because it was very creepy, this city. Very dark, kind of pointy-looking buildings. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Uh, but I think this is kind of different than other Tim Burton movies. Um, you know, there there isn't that kind of same feeling, I would say. And this wasn't written by him either, which I think plays a big role in how this movie um, is kind of how this movie feels. Um, like there is real, there is like really competent directorial style in this movie, and there is like some moments that feel kind of stylized, but it's not like. Zack Snyder, or it's not like even I would say Christopher Nolan or um, uh, what's his name, uh, Quentin Tarantino. You know, these guys have these really distinct styles that show through in all of their movies. And Tim Burton's style is pretty distinct, and you can kind of tell when he's directing a movie. But this one is a lot more subtle. It's a lot more you know traditional, I would say, in its shots and everything. Yeah, it's more like they brought Tim Burton in to direct a movie rather than have like a Tim Burton movie about Batman. That's right. And it's definitely, I don't know, it, it is weird. There is a lot of weird moments in the movie, but it's kind of more like this is Batman's weird. You know, it's more playing up the characters and the kind of Gotham City, the kind of environment that you're in more so than, you know, oh, this is a Tim Burton's take on Batman. Uh, yeah, agreed. Because everything that they do is all at this point, because I'm kind of looking at it retroactively, so when I'm not sure when things are new, like if if any if this Batman necessarily introduced anything brand new to the character of Batman, because it seems like it's pretty on like par for the course for like the universe of Batman, which is kind of wacky, right? Like to have yeah. a character like the Joker, to have a character like uh, B- Batman in it, it's it's uh, already far from reality. <laughs> 
So uh, right. Tim Burton really uh, doesn't uh, have to pull it away further. I think that we kind of like lose track of that with like the more grittier superhero movies that come out. You know, superhero movies like Batman v Superman, which have like real consequences and like a real, you know, like people die and it's like really bad. You know, in in traditional like comic book like stories or comic book movies, it's all kind of wacky. It's all kind of you know tongue in cheek in a way. Um, but really, this kind of age of Christopher Nolan's Batman's, for example, kind of uh, brought in this like realism that you kind of expect from all comic book movies nowadays, which w- this movie is not held to, not even close. Right. Agreed. <laughs> which I think like, gives it its own unique property and it kind of makes it stand out in this way. You know, I think the overall story is pretty weak. There's, you know, there's not a whole lot going on necessarily, but you can follow the characters really well. And I think this is this as a character driven story is is really compelling. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, I mean, from my perspective, it's mainly like Batman and the Joker, which are two of my favorite characters ever, really. Yeah. Um, and it's cool to see them told from like this different perspective. Right. With, with like emphasis on who they are as people mm-hmm. and like what they stand for. Um, one of the things that like I, 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 that stood out to me, um, which is something that always bothers me, bothers me in movies, is when you have like footage from a security camera. But that security camera, it has the same exact angle as the <laughs> shot that it was like showing, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. oh, I caught it. On, I caught it on tape and he shows, he shows you the tape and the tape is literally footage from the movie just in <laughs> black and white. So like that doesn't happen in this. There's there's a one this really subtle scene where Chris, uh, Mr. Gordon is approached by his beat cop and he's like, oh, what's his name is down at the chemical factory. And Mr. Gordon has like, I got to go. And that the, for the first time that shot, it's like, you know, it's very normal, you know, medium shot. You can see both the guys. He had, Christopher Gordon has his arm around the guy's shoulder. But when you see it from Bruce Wayne's point of view, from his security camera point of view, there's like some guy's head that's in the shot in like the bottom right hand corner. It doesn't really obscure anything, but it's just like, you know, you, you would never set a, up a shot where you have some guy's head in it unless you were trying to make it seem like it was incognito. Right. Yeah. yeah. So um, I don't know. I really like that. And it definitely like the. The way they acted and the way that they you know, moved and everything, either they replicated their exact movements precisely or they had two cameras, which either way, like, well done on, on Tim Burton for, you know, attention to detail in that regard. Yeah, agreed. And uh, honestly, I didn't notice that, but I, I would like to go back and maybe take a look and see if I can notice any other. Uh, yeah, as soon as I like saw that. as soon as I saw that part where he um, he saw the like at, when he was watching the security cameras, I was like, oh, I got to go back and see if he. He used the same footage twice or not, but well, it, either way, it, we're going to mention it. <laughs> right, right. Well, and it's interesting, too, you know, watching a movie from 1989. I mean, that wasn't that long ago, but there are definitely some limitations on this movie that, or or, or just like, it just doesn't look as nice um, mm. as, as maybe some of these newer ones, because the just the action in this movie felt really clunky. Uh, and it's a good thing <laughs> that this movie focuses more on kind of like the character development uh, as opposed to like really good action because there is definitely a lot of times where it just looks silly. Like having, I mean, even at the beginning when we first see Batman kind of get into a brawl on the rooftop with those two guys who just mugged somebody. Uh, yeah. It's like Batman kicks this guy and then he just like gets thrown through a door, like a door that clearly is a prop and is supposed to break yeah. when he hits it. You know, like there's no, it's just yeah, paper thin. <laughs> very much like a, a movie scene. And, 
it, it, it just throughout the movie, um, even like some of the fight scenes towards the end where it gets a little more climactic, it still just seems like it never stops being just acting. And uh, yeah, and it, okay, it, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I agree with that, but I also greatly prefer the practical effects, the guys actually being thrown through paper thin walls to um, the like special effects where like some, you know, He's thrown against the building, and then the building has cracks in it. Yeah, the, you know, but the guy's <laughs> totally fine. Are, yeah, yeah, he's just no bruises or broken ribs or anything. It's just uh, it's so ridiculous. And and as like movies go on, you like expect more and more, and then like the violence just becomes more and more like aggressive, but also like with less and less and less um, consequences. So seeing something like this, which seemed a little bit more grounded, I guess, even if it necessarily wasn't at the time. Yeah. It is kind of nice, and I I definitely feel like even though the action does leave some things to be desired, it is fitting for this movie. So well, it it's there's a middle ground where it works really well. Like if you have, um, you know, you can be too calm and unrealistic and slow with your practical effect punching, and that can like yeah. take something away from it. Because like the master of practical effect, uh fighting like hand-to-hand combat uh like jackie chan and all the movies that he's in where they really are kind of risking their like their bodies out there going for these real punches because unlike some of these movies we have now where it's like uh jump cuts all over the place Mm. uh like every they they remove frames where there would actually where the contact is supposed to be happening so it looks like it's hitting even harder uh but they're really kind of hiding everything from you and like in jackie chan kind of uh like real practical effects fights when they when they can do it at that high speed very choreographed it looks amazing and uh and i'm not saying that all you know cg uh jump cut kind of fight scenes aren't good Uh, i mean just just go back to our sucker punch episode like there are some (laughs) really good ones but uh for my for for me the the action in this one is a little the practical effect action in this one is a little bit clunky and slow Maybe it's because he was wearing a giant rubber suit that he couldn't move in. <laughs> that is a good point as well. This bat suit was uh, ridiculous, um, but also, uh. but also the guns in this movie had—they were so fake, uh, and every gunfight was so fake. Everyone on both sides would stand up and point at each other with pistols and just shoot, yeah. and uh, and like. Some of them would get shot, but a lot of them would just stand there and sparks would fly off of stuff. It was just very clearly from 1989 when it came to the guns and the gun effect. <laughs> yeah, I, I, have no, I have no defense for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of 1989, uh, which is a year when Prince was still alive, I had no idea that Prince made an album to go along <laughs> with this movie. <laughs> Did you? I, I had no idea either. I mean, I this is the second time I've seen this movie, but I don't remember. I didn't remember that. But I don't... There's only a couple songs. I think there's only two songs that are um, Prince, like, originals that are in this movie. One of them is Party Man. I don't remember what the other one is. Well, um, yeah. Yeah, I actually didn't feel like it had a huge impact on this movie. I actually watched... I saw that at the beginning. I was I was like, wow, Tim Burton, uh, Jack Nicholson, Michael Keaton, Prince. Like, is this the greatest <laughs> Batman movie of all time? Uh, and then I totally forgot that Prince was even involved once I actually started watching the movie because I didn't notice his influence on it. But yeah. the Wikipedia summary for this album is pretty good. I'm going to read it really quick. So Batman, which is the name of the album and also the cover 
the, the album art is just the bat symbol. Uh, okay. So it's, it just is like the movie. Yes, it is all about Batman. So Batman is the eleventh studio album by American recording artist Prince, and the soundtrack album to the nineteen eighty nine film Batman. It was released on June twentieth, nineteen eighty nine, by Warner Brothers Records as a Warner Brothers stablemate. Prince's involvement in the soundtrack was designed to leverage the media company's contract bound talent, as well as fulfill the artist's need for a commercial revival. So this was supposed <laughs> to be a commercial revival for Prince. The result was yet another multi-platinum success cross-media enterprise by Warner Brothers <laughs> in the vein of Purple Rain. Batman the album is on par with Purple Rain as far as Prince's discography goes. <laughs> yes, the album was number one on the Billboard album chart for six consecutive weeks, and it has sold over 11 million copies worldwide. Dang. You know that your mom was bumping that that Batman <laughs> album by Prince, dude. That is that is amazing to me. <laughs> that is amazing. Um it's too bad you don't see stuff like that anymore, right? Well, you have um, <laughs> because like like now we have hear a- Batman Batman songs on the radio. You know, played by popular artists. That'd be awesome. <laughs> well, the, I'd love the, that. <laughs> I think I might love that, but you'd more likely start hearing like if that was still the case, we would hear like Chance the Rapper singing like Taco Bell songs or something. Like it's all too. That's it's so. That's like the definition of uh, a commercial. The uh, like Prince being forced to make a Batman album, and I mean it. It worked <laughs> out, right? But it even well, he wasn't forced to do it. He it was just an opportunity for you know commercial gain. I guess. I mean, I guess it's kind of similar to the Kendrick Lamar. Uh, Black Panther album, because yeah, um, I don't know if Lamar counts that as a Kendrick Lamar album because his albums are pretty uh, highly regarded. But it was organized by him. You know, a lot of the uh, there's a lot of other artists on there, but he had a huge influence on that. So I guess that kind of still exists. Um, yeah, and that and that like that movie is like a landmark movie because of you know the cast and crew that were pre- predominantly black. Yeah. Um, so I feel like Kendrick, you know, um, being a part of that is almost like a, a statement on its own, right? Like, it's an artistic statement, I mean. Sure, yeah. Just... And you could say the same thing about this. You know, Batman is kind of this culturally relevant character. This is his revival. And Prince is like, let me get on in on this <laughs> revival, Bucks. And it it paid dividends. So, yeah, I guess I guess you're right. It is a, It was if a good a, idea. I, I know, I, I, you're right. Like, there is a way to do this wrong, but I think... You know, when you're looking for opportunities from an art perspective, you could go a lot worse than Batman movie. Agreed. And it, I mean, it paid off, so I uh, can't hate on that. But the other person who was involved in the soundtrack is Danny Elfman, who is extremely a famous soundtrack recorder. Um, he did, he's done a lot of stuff with Tim Burton. He did Nightmare for Christmas. He did Corpse Bride, Charlie the Chocolate Factory. But he's done tons of movies. He did The Simpsons theme. Which I'm sure um, is that something that you knew about? Do you know? <laughs> I didn't because you love The Simpsons. Oh yeah, I didn't know that. Da- I, I've never heard of Danny Elfman actually, but The Simpsons theme is He's iconic. He's been credited in 630 episodes apparently. So wow, <laughs> you should have seen his name somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure and I have. Then, uh, <laughs> and then uh, he also did Men in Black, Spider-Man Three, Goodwill Hunting, Silver Linings Playbook. He's been around forever, and he's been doing good work forever. So um, shout out to Danny Elfman and his iconic. Batman score, which I still think is like far superior than any other Batman score in any other movie. Wow, that's high praise. 
Okay, so um, let's talk a little bit more about this movie. We've already kind of talked a little bit about Gotham City, um, but the whole kind of premise of this movie is that Gotham is just completely overrun with crime. There's, you know, Grissom, Carl Grissom, um, and Jack Napier, who are these crime lords, and they're, like, running the city. They have all these factories under their belts, and they're, like, you know, laundering money or whatever they're doing, you know, doing crime stuff. It's not very... It's not very um, uh, specific. <laughs> Gotham City crime. is synonymous with crime. That's right. Um, well, and I mean, I don't know. What's weird about this is that like literally everybody knows about it, right? Like even Re- Knox, who is the reporter, um, he knows that the city is who's the city who really runs the city. Yeah. But like it doesn't matter that people know. It's just a place for criminals. Well, and the government is trying desperately to eradicate the crime or at least pretend that they are still a city despite the crime uh like right because they have that 200th anniversary of the city right it's coming up and they they desperately want to put that on and they uh i mean they eventually don't get the parade they wanted but they i guess they do pull it off (laughs) yeah well i mean this kind of goes back to something that the joker or jack napier before he's the joker something that he says he says um Decent people shouldn't live here. They're kind of implying that, like, why are you here? Which is always the question I I ask myself when I hear of it, like about Gotham City and how crime ridden it is. Yeah. It's like how like if it's so bad that you really can't walk the streets without getting mugged, like you can't live there. It's just not possible. You know, it's like if you had a natural disaster every week, like it just doesn't work. <laughs> you just like, it's easier and better for you to just move. Like, why do you have to live in Gotham city? I don't understand. Yeah, but that's a good point. I'd only live there if I had some sort of superpowers. Probably. Uh, yeah. That's the thing is like, Oh, the only way that it can ever get better is if someone takes drastic vigilante measures into their own hands and you better hope that they're out there for the good of it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to become a vigilante in a city that can't stop any of the crime because being a vigilante is kind of a crime also. also. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. It's like, might as well add to it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> What's one more drop in the bucket? Yes, and one more drop in the bucket. What a large drop he is, Batman, the man himself. Uh, when this movie starts out, he's already kind of a known entity, which I, again having not seen this movie before i prayed that we would we wouldn't have to see the batman origin story again oh you bet you should know better than that (laughs) i know i know this is our our batman month you're gonna be watching the batman origin story at least four times get used to it i um because when it started off and he was already batman i was like oh hot dog but uh (laughs) unfortunately uh, that, that wasn't That's the case. But, I mean, works. it makes it makes perfect sense that this movie would have the Batman origin story in it, uh, right. being called just Batman. But at, at this point, nobody knew how oversaturated that would be. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just get used to the sound of pearls hitting the ground, like <laughs> and popcorn. <laughs> popcorn too. Yeah, popcorn being trampled in her thought. Okay, so I think we should go do a little exercise here. Let's talk about the things that are like. Very Batman, right? Yes. What are what are our uh, archetypal forms of Batman? You know, you can't have Batman if you don't have blank. Well, obviously, and, like the suit and cape, right? That's like first off. Yes, with the ears and the body armor 
and the giant cape that comes in. And yeah, he does do the whole like, you look away, he disappears thing, which is a classic <laughs> Batman thing. Have you ever seen that that skit on YouTube? Yes, from uh, College, Humor, College Humor. Yep, that's a hilarious yes. skit. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Harvey Dent, what does he want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, the utility belt, which is not something that's... Uh, I think the utility belt can be put in with um like the the great toys right all the gadgets all the, the extremely convenient gadgets that he just happens to have lying around yeah um, speci- like gadgets that have like kind of specific one, but uh, very uses. specific purpose yes yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he has he has the smoke bombs which is i feel like a good batman thing because it's remember we're we're focusing that on him being a real person right not a actual superhero he can be hurt you know, it could be damage done to him. He's not in, invulnerable. He just appears to be. He's like playing the role of superhero. Yes. More so than he is actually super. Well, uh, another thing that's very Batman is no killing. And but, but, but no, but no killing, but but still only only killing when it's uh, when it's off screen. Yes. So so in other words, still killing. <laughs> yes. Killing, but in a way that doesn't seem so explicit. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. And I don't know. At this point, I feel like I'm I'm running out of things that are like things that you can say that all Batmans have. And, oh, well, well, no, oh, we wait a talked about the, the, the dead parents, right? The dead parents, you know, right? The origin, the origin story. story, of course. Uh, Which is different in this movie, too. Right, and that's because the Joker did it, right? Is that, That's not in all of them. Yes. No, I, I, this is only, the only one I know of that does that. I think like, the, the Joker origin... We'll have to get uh, J, um, Justin in on this because he knows more about comic books. But right. I, I'm pretty sure the, the Joker origin story is more... Uh, vague than anything else like it's never actually explicit and there are a couple of instances like this one um that explicitly say what it is but traditionally it's just left up to interpretation it's It's just it's actually one of my yeah it's one of my favorite aspects of the heath ledger joker is how he keeps Mm. changing his origin story yeah that's right and i always like the like the theory that he was actually an ex uh soldier he was like a veteran and he's like, he's got like, you know, he's messed up from war or whatever. So I don't know. I, I saw that somewhere online and that's, I mean, that's very modern, which fits in with the gritty uh, Christopher Nolan Batman's. But this bat, this, this Joker um, is, it kills Batman's parents before he becomes a Joker. Right. He's a young Jack Napier. And uh... still got the crazy smile though. Yes, and, and uh, so some other Batman things uh, at the end of this movie, they reveal the bat signal, very yes, classic. Which Batman is, I thing. feel like happens at the end of a lot of Batman movies. <laughs> Am I crazy to think that a lot of Batman movies end with the bat signal? <laughs> well, it's uh, it, it's usually a sign of the city finally being like, okay, we approve of your vigilante status. Because I think right, Batman right. also a big part of his personality is kind of towing the line between like vigilante and public menace <laughs> yes which i feel like we should get into a little bit later but you're right um okay so are there any other traditional batman things we're missing here oh the the bat wing of course uh, but it can't forget that. is the bat wing traditional batman is that in all the other ones i think it is he's got bat bat vehicles 
Well, okay, bat, bat transportation. I can, we can agree on that. Bat transportation. <laughs> Batmobile specifically, though. Yes, no, definitely that, the Batmobile. That was always in it. And, uh, and this was a this was a great Batmobile. It looked awesome. Yes. It had all the the points on it, which you can expect from Tim Burton. But it's also got shields, and it's self driving. Yes, it was um self driving. An, an interesting amount of self-driving because like when it it would navigate the streets on its own not kill any pedestrians it would just navigate the streets but then when it was approaching batman he had to tell it to stop because it was about to run him over so i like to think that was just for show he was just trying to impress, impress vicky vale he, oh okay that's that is pretty badass but um but also yeah. um well okay so i think we're ready to just talk about the specific aspects of this batman right this version of batman because the first one i noticed was he's absolutely bulletproof there are actually a few times Mm. in this movie where he just doesn't give a he doesn't care he just takes a bullet because he knows he can take it and uh at the beginning on that rooftop he definitely does it there's one point where bruce wayne right he he gets shot in the shoulder doesn't he? he like his his uh his suit has a hole in it but he doesn't even react He's bulletproof bat, my man. That's just bulletproof all the way down to the skin level. <laughs> I mean, maybe his maybe his suit was Kevlar or something. Who knows? But yeah, he was totally bulletproof. Although he did get knocked over in the very first scene yep. when the guy shot him close range. It was, so. it was a bit of a possum technique there. He was playing dead mm. to get the jump so on can, the crooks. Yeah, definitely works every time. But um, some of the other things I liked about this is that he like he kind of has this legend that follows him or precedes him and people are like scared of the bat you know criminals are scared of the bat and he's uh they tell people that he he drinks blood and that he can't die yeah uh, so he's like some sort of mythical you know more bat-like figure in this in this world it's actually um the batman video game series batman arkham asylum there's a certain aspect of the psychological terror that batman puts into his uh I guess victims or enemies, yeah. I would say, in that you can move things around and confuse the guards and make them just get scared because they know Batman is close. His his mere uh. presence is uh, enough to terrify even the most uh, wacky goons of uh, right. of the Joker or, or many other Batman villains. But that was definitely a uh, an aspect here. He's he was supposed to be a scary presence, at least to his enemies, if not to the entire city. Yes, and I, I think that's like such an effective way of being like a, a mass vigilante, you know? It's like it, it's one thing to dress up as a bat because like, oh, I love bats or something. <laughs> but it, it's another thing for to use that as a like method of terror, right? Yeah. He's like part of your attack strategy is psychological, which I think is really powerful. And um it does well in this movie. It's a big part of who Batman is as a character. Because yeah. unlike a lot of other superheroes, you couldn't just drop Batman in an empty room against some other villain and expect him to come out on top every time. It's right. it's more he takes he takes full advantage of his situation. And in Gotham, not everyone knows who he is, so he makes himself appear even worse than he really is. And in a sense, because of everyone's perception, he actually is that you know, scary and, and that exactly. imposing. Exactly. Very effective. Impressive stuff. It's re- I mean, it's really cool. It's, it's like the, the, it's part of the reason why Batman is such a memorable and interesting character is because he doesn't have super fa- uh, superpowers and uh, right. makes him really intriguing. And that's like such a big part of like the Justice League like cartoon show and stuff is like always talking about how he is just a human being, right? All these other people are like aliens or 
have some sort of special mythical power that they've been passed down or struck by lightning during a particle accelerator explosion. <laughs> you know, all these things that, that happen to people that make them extraordinary people. But Batman is just like, he's super rich and he's super smart and that's it. Um, and in a way, he kind of exemplifies the ultimate of humanity, right? He's like, what we all strive to be sure. is this this rich and this smart. <laughs> Um, well, I also aspire to be this good with grappling hooks, which he was so talented with in this movie. He had several different kinds. He had that one that he dropped in the the art museum that was like double sided, so he could like zip line away. Yep, and that was pretty cool. Yeah, the one that he like strung a guy up into the air in the uh, chemical factory. He, yeah. He, uh, I mean. Tons of grappling hooks, and they always worked every time. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I always wonder about that too. It's like, how do you have to like practice? Is that something you can practice? Is like grappling, grappling hooks, or how how much luck is involved in? To tell you the truth, to tell you the truth, it might actually yeah. that might be his superpower because if you've <laughs> seen if you've seen Suicide Squad, there was a character in Suicide Squad whose whole evil villain power was that he had grappling hooks. So maybe that was a shout Ooh. out to Batman's actual superpower. That is a good point. Forgot about him because he died. Yeah, so everyone did. Everyone did. <laughs> that movie. Um, yeah, that's that's a really good point. Or or does he have the superpower that that guy from X Men Origins has that he just literally can't miss? Oh, uh, yes, uh, maybe. Or maybe um, he's like the that other girl from uh, what is it called? The I'm blanking oh, right um, now d- on uh, uh, Deadpool. 2, Deadpool. Where he's just super lucky. Yep. Maybe he's just <laughs> uh, yeah, super lucky. Powers luck. <laughs> I can agree with that as well. Okay, so let's talk about his his alter, not his alter ego, but his um his nemesis, his foil, the greatest, yes, of super of Batman's villains, the Joker. Yes. Okay. First off, the the I think that the Joker is a uh, a tough character to play because okay. he's very charismatic, but he's also wildly insane and unstable. And I think it's difficult to pull that off without, like, it's difficult to be menacing and silly at the same time. And it, not everybody who plays a Joker can do it. Yeah, but we've had, I mean, we've been lucky. We've had a lot of good ones. And I think Jacqueline Nicholson is definitely one of the, the greats. Um, if, I think we can start with just Jack Napier, which is, you know, who he is, which I... Yeah, it's interesting that his well, first name is also yeah, his first name. Yeah, when they called him Jack, I was like, there's no way. Like, Jack Nicholson is such, like, a, uh, like <laughs> insane, like, uh, sociopath that they're willing to let him play himself as the Joker in this Batman movie. <laughs> oh, my But, gosh. I mean, like, I don't That'd know. That would be a whole other level, but <laughs> but no. Yeah, so he's, I don't know, he's just, like, everyone thinks he's insane. He wears, like, these really, like, flamboyant suits, which are all, like, very purple and he like has a lucky deck of cards and a fedora um but he's also like extremely competent you know he has all these these guys that he assembles to do his to his work and everything and um he just gets pushed out because the guy that's in charge feels threatened by him you know it's really because he's too good at his job and it just happens to be that when you're in crime if you get too good at your job you're a target Um, well he also was sleeping with his boss's girlfriend oh that that's also true should not forget about that but still, but, I mean, yeah, no, that's most, I, I feel like there are two people to blame in that situation, not just one. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, just, just Jack Nicholson. Um, I think he's such a critically acclaimed actor and it's so cool to see him play, uh, this like 
this character because um, I, I think the premise is a little bit silly. Like, it's like, oh, my mouth is bigger. And, uh, you know, like, I... He just plays it so well so that you can take the Joker that's, seriously. That's the thing that's so cool about this is that he has like all these prosthetics on his face. It took him two hours in makeup every day and 355 silicon pieces. Um, but he he can still act through it, right? Yes. Like he, he, you can tell when he's actually smiling and when he isn't smiling. And when he starts to laugh or like laugh maniacally and everything, you're like, this guy is losing it. Like you don't, it's not so much like, oh, he thinks this is funny. You're almost concerned for his health. Like, it's amazing. He's such a, I don't know, he was able to, like, give such subtle emotion through this, like, absurd facial structure that he's been given. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a tough act to play. And, and also, um, he, I, I'm not sure if he has to do any sort of similar laughing in his other movies, but he definitely has the Joker laugh down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's also like the makeup he had on. Mm-hmm. Which, like there was a couple of really good like gags with that, where he has he's wear he's like his face is like pasty white now, but he will wear like flesh colored makeup so that he looks like a normal person, um, even though his face is all like screwed up. And he does that several times, but like there's a couple points where he actually wipes off the makeup and reveals his white skin underneath, which is pretty interesting, you know, because I wonder. Like, I wonder what direction that was really going, you know? Did they put white <laughs> makeup on him, and then they he rubbed it off so that... Wait, that doesn't make sense. No, he, like, did they paint his face white and then put other makeup on top of that makeup? Or did they just cover his face in white makeup and then have him remove some of it? I don't know. It's, uh, it was... Uh, it was a little messed up, but it was, it was pretty cool. It made a really cool effect. It was cool, to, because... I mean, we're all so used to seeing the Joker in his, like, makeup stuff. It, it's interesting to see him go the opposite direction and try to look as normal as possible. Um, and the fact that he's just, he looks like that by default uh, yeah. is pretty, that's, uh, that's a tortured existence. It's <laughs> um, true. And, but, like, I don't know, he does such a good job of being this kind of terrifying figure, you know? And you, you really get that he's unstable and, and insane. Um, and despite that, he's still extreme like he's so focused in a way you know he like i'm gonna do this thing and he does it with such style and with such like artistic flair you can't help but like smile along with it because it's just ridiculous okay so yeah let's get into that once the joker becomes a joker once jack napier is the joker why does he do the things that he does well there's this whole thing he says to um vicky vale who he invites to the art museum after he kill he gasses literally everyone else and he says that um, he's like, he's an artist. He says, this is attractive. This is not, well, that's all behind me. I do now what other people only dream. I make art until someone dies. I'm the world's first fully functioning homicidal artist. And, um, and then Vicky Vale, of course, expresses her, um, disbelief. And he says, do I look like I'm joking? <laughs> Which is a hilarious line. Yes. But the, but like that, that exact moment is when I think of, when I think of him, acting through the smile right the smile is on his face he can't help but do it but you can tell by the way his lips are moving and the way he talks that he's not smiling and that he's completely serious his eyes are dead inside it's just that's amazing which it but it's also a joke too because he's the joker asking do i look like i'm joking like (laughs) yes yeah so it i don't know it has that extra layer to it too but i don't know I mean, do you? I mean, do you agree with this that he is an he's being an artist, or you think there's some other motivation going on? 
Well, or do you think there's no motivation? No, I mean, I think that if you're going to do the things that he does, I think the going about it in an artistic manner is interesting. And uh, yeah. and, it, and it does, from the perspective of you know us, the audience, rooting for Batman, it's almost, you almost betray Batman in the sense where you're like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like this Joker. So, um, yeah. but I, I do, I'm glad you brought up that quote because I think that that really kind of sums it up where he's, uh, he's he wants chaos, but he wants to do it in his style, and uh, yeah, and and he he tries to stick to that kind of uh, right. Well, he wants. I, mean, I feel like his motivation now is similar to what it was before he became the Joker, and that he wants to rule the city. He wants to run everything. You know, he wants to be in Grissom's spot, but he now he's like he's got this, you know, in crazy um, complexion. So. I don't know. He can ha- He has this extra layer of insanity he has to work through. Um, and I, I like to quote Megamind here, where um, he, he, when Megamind is facing off against Titan at the end of the movie, he says, "You know what the difference between me and you is? Presentation." <laughs> and that's what great. Ma- I think that's what makes a great supervillain is this, um, uh, like adherence to a certain style, adherence to a certain like aesthetic even i think of like bowser from the mario games as like the perfect supervillain. like he he puts his logo on everything everything is like perfect you know yeah he's got all this stuff everywhere he's got all this flair and all these things leading up to him it's like all you see is bowser 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 all the way up until you see bowser he nobody brands better than bowser <laughs> and i think that like that's like what you want from your supervillain is you you want this layer of presentation this layer of style to say like you know, it's not just that he's crazy. It's not. I can't get. I can't agree with what he's doing or what he's saying, but I can agree with the way he's doing it. Yep. No, that's that is very well put. I mean, think about it. He before he was the Joker, he was this high level crime boss, not the top, but he was close to the top. Very influential, very powerful, yeah. and very competent, very good at what he does. And suddenly he gets he gets stabbed in the back by basically the only person that's more powerful than him, and uh, he survives somehow because I think that. Being set up by a, my a crime boss, you're pretty screwed, especially if you don't see it coming, which he didn't uh, initially. Yeah. So he's he survives. He's deformed. He's like, well, might as well go all the way. I like right. <laughs> he knows he's capable of a lot, and uh, and then he kills the only guy really that is uh, has any power over the people around him. Inherits a whole bunch of goons. I mean, how would you? Why would you not just <laughs> cause chaos after that? Yeah. Okay. Can we talk about the goons now? Because <laughs> my favorite character in this movie is Bob, uh, Joker's number one guy. And, and of course, when you're introduced to Bob, this is how it happens. The Joker grabs him by the shoulders after everyone else has left the room. He says, and Bob, <laughs> remember, you're my number one guy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, well performed, Joey. Well, well, oh, thank you. well performed. I, uh, but no, yes, I love Bob, and I'm willing to forgive how explicit the explanation of who Bob is, uh, is because he really comes through. He is a top tier number one guy as far as like your disposable goons go. Yeah, he's always going above and beyond. You know, he he goes to the the place, and he while the Joker is distracting people and stabbing them with pens uh, or quills. You know, he's taking pictures in the background, taking pictures of all the people that are, all the players involved, you know? Yep. I feel like he's he's rivaling Vicky Vale as far as his investigative photo, photo, yeah, photo journalism is going on. Where like, his, where's his Pulitzer Prize? That's right. 
and he's always like like no, he doesn't question anything the joker says the joker is this crazy insane guy he's the joker is sitting there at a a table he's in the middle of his acid factory right he's got a, a table with a pitcher a, a couple of, of lamps a, a vase of flowers a little dog ceramic statue and a green chair and and he's like he's punching his tvs with his giant tv punching thing <laughs> And Bob just wa- is like, all right, I want this done. And Bob's like, you got it. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not here to question. I'm here to follow orders, and I'm gonna do it to my best of my ability. He's, oh my gosh, you wish you had someone as good as Bob. Seriously, for you. Uh, the way I look at it, I think Bob is like a seasoned vet. He's like, he hasn't always been in Gotham. This guy, he's, yeah. he's, he's had a long career of gooning around the country, and uh, <laughs> and he recognizes a true, he recognizes true talent, and uh, and the, the, you know, he sees that the Joker is gonna be able to do some serious crime, and as a goon, a lifetime goon, I feel yeah. like he's, uh, he, he, you know, he's, this is his opportunity. This is what he's been working towards his whole career. I want to see Bob's resume, all his his goon related activities. Yeah, I wonder if that he's done over the yeah, years. Yeah, I wonder if he has any other Batman villains on there. Maybe he's crossed yeah, over into question. the Marvel universe and done some <laughs> gooning over there too. Yeah. So, um, it, of course, when he gets killed by the Joker after something doesn't go his way, that that is the point when I was like, all right, I'm I'm not on board for this Joker character anymore. Like, y- yep, <laughs> yep. I mean, I was like, I was okay up to this point, you know, putting the gassing tons of people, you know messing with batman putting on infomercials and killing people with cosmetic products yeah i i can live with that but killing your number one guy can't can't do it yes the most emotionally taxing story like character arc in this movie is definitely that of bob uh going from not knowing who he is because i I haven't seen him in any other batman movies to him being my favorite character to him being (laughs) taken out so way before his time uh so suddenly it had me exhausted yeah and, and of course he dies doing what what he does best right yeah the joker says bob give me your gun and bob immediately gives him his gun and then gets shot with him. A, f- a fitting way for bob to go out i guess justice for bob hashtag justice for hashtag bob. yes please bring justice to bob it's 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 been too long since we uh since 1989 and we still don't have justice for bob <laughs> that's right this is, these are the real these are the real um disparities of our time yes yes but okay so <laughs> moving forward from Bob um you talked about Bowser having good branding the Joker is not to be outdone in in yes. the brief time he had between becoming the Joker and rolling out all of his goons he was able to get Joker colored cars with Joker logos on them a custom Joker helicopter and Joker uniforms with patches yes. on them with his own face on it so that all his guys are wearing Yes, and they're all great. And <laughs> like they all dress up as mimes together for you know to, to distract um, the, whatever the commissioner and like the mayor. <laughs> and um, he's got one guy whose whole job is just to look intimidating and carry a boombox. He's got like a mustache, a handlebar mustache, <laughs> and some sunglasses, and he's totally bald. He's like this big guy, like you know, you can see him like you know punching some dudes in the face. But he's no, that's his job is to carry the boombox, and, and he he's, he does it. Uh, DJ Goon. Yeah, well, he does it at such a high level. And honestly, I think that the whole Bob's attitude towards the Joker that we're totally manufacturing here uh, also <laughs> extends to the rest of the goons, right? Because at first, I was a little bit critical of the Joker's access to all these henchmen because 
he really didn't earn it. He literally yeah. killed their boss, and they, without questioning it, just decide to follow him. Uh, because while he still is Jack Napier, he's also deformed and the Joker now. So right. I, I didn't know how clear cut that that change was. But these guys are career henchmen, career goons, and uh, I think that they they're like, oh, we get to clown around now and play with boom boxes. Like, <laughs> I, okay, like I'm fine with that. I, yeah, this is Opportunity City. Like, this is everything I've ever wanted. As like. <laughs> you know, uh, the goon like, like we run the city why can't we have fun yeah uh, yeah because that one part where they're in the dark museum is such a hilarious scene because the joker comes in and he's got the boombox got all the goons in with him and they're just going around vandalizing art and all of them are having such a great time like they're just dancing around it's not so much like the joker says oh do this or whatever they're just like they go in it with full force yes right they're they're all about this just as much as he is these are the guys. These are the guys that will lay down your li- their life for you, right? So. And and I mean, um, so let's talk about that too, because that's one of my favorite scenes in this movie was the art museum, because yeah. uh, like it was just after the Joker had gassed everybody in there with the Smilex uh, gas, and uh, and he walks in and says, "Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds." So like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not that the Joker hates art. It actually seems like he has a great appreciation for art, which makes his yeah. his uh, destruction of all of the classy and fancy art in this building almost a artistic statement in itself. Uh, yes, it is. Which I'm it's explicitly that. Yes, and it's, I'm really impressed with the Joker's uh, ability to uh, you know be a homicidal artist. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's, that's exactly right. He's such a he's such an artist through and through. And he goes in there and he's like, "This is how I respect the art in this gallery, and that is by not respecting it." Well, he he yeah, like he paints up. Well, it's not just him. His uh, he must have coached the goons on what he was going for here because uh, they had one guy, or maybe the guy was just inspired. Actually, that would make sense if we're going along with this whole uh, henchman volunteering to stick around because they're you know into what into the Joker's movement. Because sure. they had one guy who was painting a uh, a bust of a head to be the Joker colors. I mean, it, it was yeah. all kind of in that Joker style, and. Uh, and and they were vandalizing everything. I, and the Joker is still joking around during it too, because they pass by a picture of George Washington, and he's like the one dollar bill, at <laughs> which they paint over that with a dollar yes. sign. And then uh, and then he says, the one next to that one, he says, I kind of like this one, Bob. Leave it. And uh, I went back after and looked up what that painting actually was, okay. and it's called Figure with Meat. It's a 1954 painting by the Irish-born artist Francis Bacon, and it's based off of this other painting uh, by Diego Velasquez, I believe I'm saying that correctly, of Pope Innocent X, which, what kind of name is that, Pope Innocent? And and how (laughs) are there nine other ones? (laughs) But anyways. That's the real question. so, So basically, there's this really nice painting of Pope Innocent X, and Francis Bacon took that painting. It, it's like it's like him, the Pope, sitting in this like gold throne. He looks very it's like a portrait. Yeah, he looks very regal. It's uh, I mean, you it would, you would instantly forget it if you saw it in an art museum. And he <laughs> he took that as inspiration, and he painted figure with meat. And and it's this 
basically it's it's the same guy sitting in a chair but he's all deformed and kind of looking dead like one of his eye holes is really big and his skin is all gray um, I mean you can google it the figure with meat but behind him is this slaughtered ox that's been cut in half and it's meat is just hanging out behind him I mean you can look at it in the yeah. movie it's not very close up but you can see it and it's there and it kind of parallels what's going on here in the museum right now is that they're taking what they're like they're being inspired by this art that's really held up high and meant to glorify the people in it and kind of ruining it uh, but also making an artistic statement in its own way uh, ah, which I think is nice. is really uh, interesting I mean this whole this Wikipedia article goes on about the specific points of how uh, specifically this painting kind of pokes fun at the original but uh, it, it, it's Pope's funny mean yes <laughs> and, and it's so I'm just impressed because this is a small part of this movie, but they threw that in there, um, and it has actually kind of a lot of meaning. Yeah, that's really cool. I didn't, I had no idea. I didn't even think to look that up. That's that is really interesting. Um, so how he turns into the Joker? I want to talk about that. So they're in the they're in the the place, right? They're in the um the acid factory, and or chemical factory or whatever, and. He's he's out there fighting with Batman, and Batman lifts him up, and uh, in this part that's like unintentionally hilarious to me, he picks up the Joker, and then the, a goon comes up from behind Commissioner Gordon, who's watching the whole thing from below, and says, "Stop, or I'll I'll, I'll off Gordon. I'll do yeah. Gordon. Stop, or I'll do Gordon. Yeah, which let him go, or I'll do Gordon. Yeah." And so, and then um, the Joker, of course, looks to the side to to, to see what's going on, but then. Batman can't because his suit <laughs> is so restricted, restrictive that uh, Michael Keaton literally can't turn his head. So he's like, it's just this awkward moment where Batman is holding up the Joker and then like you can kind of tell he's trying to look to the side sort of, but he can't actually see what's going on. Um, but anyway, he lets go of the Joker and then the Joker like falls into a vat of green chemicals um, and uh, that's pretty much it. So, yeah, so he, like, crawls out of it. Go ahead. In my 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 question about the green chemicals is, what did it actually do to him besides change his skin color? Because it mm. did it have anything to do with? I mean, he had facial reconstructive surgery after that, so it wasn't. Was that what made his mouth bigger? Obviously, the bullet that went through his face made his mouth bigger, but like, it came out all healed and stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, that's that's a, that's a really good question. I mean, it seemed to have. It seemed to alter his personality a little bit because he definitely seemed like a normal guy, and then everyone else just called him crazy, right? It wasn't like you ever saw Jack Napier being an insane person. If anything, he right? was a very stereotypical crime boss before the way he was talking to uh, Alicia when he was when you first see who Jack is. He's just kind of yeah. talking about how he's a really good crime boss and like. You know, she's like, oh, like, you're so attractive, Jack. He's like, shut up, baby. I know it. Like, something to that effect. <laughs> so he seemed pretty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a direct quote. <laughs> he was, he seemed pretty grounded to an extent, at least. At least he was less crazy before. Yeah. So I feel like that it made him crazier. And of course, I stained his skin white. Um, I'm not, I don't know. Other than that, I'm not entirely sure. That's just like a classic comic book trope for me is like falling into a vat of acid right and becoming a superhero or supervillain yeah, yeah definitely but 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 um before that um 
the two like you know jack is in this acid factory because he's trying to destroy the documents that link him to like their operation um which apparently is criminal and i i agree that their operation there is criminal because the way that jack blows up the factory is he just pulls a couple levers and then rotates a big dot like valve and then all of a sudden like things are sparking and like the control board doesn't make any sense and things are bubbling and things are falling out of bats and stuff it's like Man, OSHA never inspected this operation. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> this would never fly. You know, you know what this makes me think of? This makes me think of factories after Trump gets rid of all the regulations. Yes. Bring back <laughs> the big vats of green chemicals. Bring them back. <laughs> yes. We need those. Make America green chemicals again. Yes. <laughs> Magka. <laughs> Doesn't fly off the tongue as well. <laughs> uh, we'll have to get green hats. <laughs> anyway. Um, um, yeah, so uh, another just Joker moment that I want to highlight was... <laughs> okay, like, I, I, don't, I think I was born too late to really ever enjoy or to, to ever witness the joy buzzers that people use. Okay. The ones where, you, you know, they're like, hey, put her there, son, and then they zap mm-hmm. you when, the, when you go to shake their hand. And uh, Joker does that to when he first meets with all the rest of the crime bosses, and they somehow let it pass that his face is totally deformed. Uh, he just yeah. says that he's smiling. But he, <laughs> well, he does have the makeup on that point. That's true. He does have at least flesh-colored skin, but uh, he goes to shake one of their hands. I think it was, oh, what was his name? It was like... I want to say like Adrian or something. Yeah, I don't know why. well, that. it's something similar to that. Anyways, he shakes his hand and fully roasts him in front of everyone, and uh, and all it leaves is like a smoking corpse. And yeah. after everybody leaves, after the room is vacated, it's just him and the corpse, and he has a full conversation with this freshly roasted corpse. And I and it, that is one of the points for me was when you really see him make that transition to Joker insanity. He's not putting on a show for anyone there. You know, the camera right. the camera isn't in, in, in there for the Joker. This is him. And uh, I think that really helps set in how crazy he had become at that point. I completely agree. That's I mean, that's what I wrote down in my notes. So this guy is losing it. Yep. Like he is just off the wall crazy and he's totally laughing at his own joke or whatever that like doesn't even make any sense and it's just i mean it's more terrifying than anything and i mean jack nicholson just sells it so it's perfect yes and i'm so I, I, again it's coming in fresh in this movie i didn't know what the joker was going to be doing in this one i had heard in the cartoon actually about one of a very appropriate weapon for the joker smilex gas and I was so happy that I finally got to see it in action because it's it fits so well with the, who the Joker is. He's gonna kill you, but also make you smile while he does it. I mean, that's just yeah. that's spot on for him. And uh, the way he introduces it through the commercial is hilarious. Oh my gosh! Okay, so they they're showing the report of like the people that died on the TV, and first of all, they're showing the corpses on TV. <laughs> like, those are, <laughs> how often do you see? Like, oh, someone died, and they show your picture, and that picture is of them dead. Like The, that the not... 80s was a crazy time, dude. <laughs> well, it was, it was a good way of introducing how they were dying, because you saw, like, their crazy smiles on their faces. Yeah. But then, yeah, he somehow gets hold, a hold of, like, the television broadcast and starts broadcasting his own infomercial, which is so hilarious, because he has people tied. He has one guy who's dead. He has another guy who's tied up, and underneath it, it flashes, like, the title text. It's not an actor. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> A real person's gonna try out this product. I love that. It's so it's such a good twist on that, like still classic, uh, commercial trope of like 
these people are not actors. <laughs> They're real people. His actors aren't real people. Um, and yeah, he, he introduces the whole thing. He's like, oh yeah, by the way, if you wash your hair or you know use makeup, then you're gonna die. So don't do any of those things. And um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I I love it. I'm so happy that I finally got to see Smilex gas in uh in use. Four, three, two, one. Cue music. Cue Becky. Good evening. The fashion world was stunned today by the sudden deaths of models Candy Walker and Amanda Keeler. Cause of death has been attributed to a violent allergic reaction, although authorities have not ruled out the possibility of drug use. Peter. And plans continue for the city's 200th birthday, as Mayor Borg announced today the unveiling. This just in. Three mysterious deaths at a beauty parlor in... <laughs> at a beauty parlor in Gotham were discovered today. Barry, what the hell's going on? Becky, this is hardly the... <laughs> Becky! Kill a camera. This is Renee on the news floor. Dane, I need some paramedics up here now. All right. New and improved Joker products! With a new secret ingredient! Smiley. What is this? Now, let's go over to our blind taste test. Love that Joker. Where's it coming from? I don't know. Uh-oh. He don't look happy. He's been using Brand X. But with new Joker brand, I get a gram, a gram, and a gram. Luscious tan, those ruby lips and hair color, so natural, only your undertaker knows for sure. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Where can I get these fine new items? Well, that's the gang. Chances are you bought them already. <laughs> Love and joking. So remember, put on a happy face. <laughs> All right, so I want to talk about Bruce Wayne versus crime in Gotham. Uh, and I saw an intriguing tweet. This is actually, I saw this this week. This was tweeted on the 24th, so just a few days ago. And I thought it was an interesting question. So this guy, or it brings up an interesting point, I guess. So it says, like, I'm going to say the name of who's saying the thing right before it. So Batman. Okay. I must save this city. Alfred. Well, you're a billionaire, so maybe redistrict Batman. The bat suit is the only way. Which obviously is implying that if Batman really wanted to improve Gotham, that he would redistribute wealth and that would bring Gotham uh peace and uh and reduce the crime in Gotham. Basically mm-hmm. saying that Bruce Wayne is being self-indulgent because he wants to dress up like a bat and punch people. And what he really should be doing is uh, pushing a socialist agenda in the city of Gotham. So I want to I, I want to get your opinion on that, Joey. I, in general, agree with the sentiment of that tweet. Although I think there are a couple of big exceptions. First of all, in this movie, it's explicit that like the crime problem is 
really bad and that nothing is being done. Something needs to be done immediately. So therefore, Batman is actually a pretty good solution to that. Um, the other thing is that like redistribution of wealth is a really complex uh, topic that we don't or should not get into. <laughs> but it's, it's um, I think that there are places that Batman could invest in that would benefit Gotham as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he could he could lobby for certain things in the Gotham government. He could, you know, build like public or fund public spaces like hospitals or parks and stuff, you know, to make things better. Um, you know, I think that's a more a better use of his time. You know, he could run for mayor and then redistribute the budget, you know. All that stuff is a possibility, but of course he chooses to do this bat thing. Well, I mean, I disagree with this tweet to a certain extent, but okay. a few points that uh, agree with this tweet. Uh, Batman's superhero actions aren't without consequences. Uh, that at one point when he's driving around in the Batmobile, he turns a corner really sharp with the assistance of, you guessed it, a grappling hook. And uh, <laughs> But because he turns a corner so sharp and the cars that were chasing him weren't expecting it, they crash into some pedestrians and cause like a 12-car pileup. That, yeah, they just kept crashing. Yeah. And, you know, that's not good, right? That's not solving the crime problem. Uh, and then... And and there was a perception, I think uh, Vicky says, a lot of people think you're as dangerous as the Joker. Right. Which I think, yeah, we, I mean, we can get into the similarities between the Joker and Batman in a second, but I think that's a really good point. You know, like, Batman to the public is just as scary as all the crime that's going on. Right. You know, they're like, oh, now we have this crazy guy dressed up like a bat in the city. Like, I don't want to live here. Like, <laughs> what is going on? Like, I mean, even if you... I mean, it's, a, it's like a point of embarrassment, right? Like, obviously, Batman is here for good. Everyone knows who's watching the movie that Batman is the good guy and that he, what he's doing is right. And it's, a, it's an injustice that he isn't allowed to do what he thinks is right. Sure, right? But it's, um, but it's still like a crime to be a vigilante. And taking crime into your own hands is not necessarily the solution. It's kind of a short-term solution, if you're thinking about it anyway. Right. Yeah. And and I've seen this somewhere else. I mean, we've we've already joked about what Batman's actual superpower is, but every superhero has the superpower of certainty. In that when they come into a situation, they know everything that they need to know to make the right choices and to you know, they know who to punch right. in the face. Right. right. And they know that if they do that, they're gonna be fine. It's not you know, there's never a scene in a superhero movie where somebody mugs somebody else, right? And then Spider-Man comes in and, and punches the mugger, and it turns out the situation was way more complex than the guy was just mugging her. You know, it's, it's something much bigger. Right. So, which is really how real life works and why vigilantism is such a, like, such a problem. It's not such a problem <laughs> in real life, but it's, it's not it's, a good idea. Yeah, being vigilante is problematic. Right. And I think we could, I mean, we could get into this really far, but I think Watchmen does a really good job of showing how superheroes would really be perceived in the public eye and how certain people would take advantage of the freedom that is offered to superheroes and some and you know certain individuals would take being a superhero to an extreme like to doing the right thing 
I guess, yeah. um, to an extreme uh, regard. And that's kind of like the whole premise of, of that story is that somebody, this guy's like, we're fighting crime on this street level. You know, we're stopping people as the crimes are happening. We need to be more preventative. We need to be taking matters into our own hands. We need to solve every problem the world has ever seen. And that means taking it to the biggest level possible. And I mean, that kind of line of thinking is extremely dangerous, um, but it's also kind of justified in movies like this. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I do. It's, uh, it's not so cut and dry. Just being... Well, it never is. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting dilemma, right? And it is fun watching Batman going around punching people and stuff, but it's, it's like this could never really be the case. You know, yeah. real change takes place at like a government level or even higher, but you know, a global level, you could even say. But, you know, if, you, if the situation is such as it is uh, displayed in Gotham in this city, then, you know, maybe a vigilante is uh, less bad. Well, sure, and I mean, he, he's a charitable man, Bruce Wayne, the man, not, not Batman. Bruce yeah. Wayne, he's, he's charitable, regularly puts on benefits. Uh, he's a charitable host. Uh, he gives Knox a grant just because Knox asked. Um, yeah, it's a joke, but like, um, I don't know, like that whole scene is so weird to me because I felt like it was like, did you see that whole, uh, thing with, um, Bill Gates on Ellen and he was, they played the price is right. And oh Ellen no, a bunch of grocery items and asked Bill Gates to ask to figure out how much they cost. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about this scene. It's like, he gives him like a, if anything money related, Bruce Wayne can cover it. It doesn't matter what it is. Right, right. So when he says, you know, give, hey, I want a grant. He's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I just throw money at the problem. That's how I. Okay, it. so it's not necessarily generous or charitable if you if it doesn't even affect you. Really, it's more like learned behavior. It's not so much that he actually is generous as much as he knows that this would get people on his side okay. if he just sends money to their way. But, I don't know. I was more cynical toward that than maybe I should. Well, have. maybe his it worked on me. <laughs> I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, there he is, a generous man himself. So I guess just to kind of put a lid on this subject, like. Maybe being a vigilante isn't the only option. Like he's Batman's very pretty cavalier about becoming, uh, or I guess Bruce Wayne is pretty cavalier about becoming Batman and that being the solution. But maybe he should yeah. also have like uh, Bat Bomber care or something uh, to also like supplement and help the whole city, not just punch bad guys in the face. Um, <laughs> that is that is really funny. So Bat Bomber <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There are other, there are many different ways to solve problems. And um, being a vigilante isn't necessarily the most effective, nor is it like the best from a moral standpoint. Agreed. Um, But now something that we can all agree on is that Batman is a good match for the Joker. And uh, let's take a closer look at their relationship. Yeah, so I think this is, I mean, this almost plays into, um, what we were just talking about and that there's like a fine line between going out there as a mass vigilante and going out there and being a criminal. Right. And, um, you know, Batman kind of toes that line, uh, you know, pretty easily in this, in this movie, but he and the Joker are extremely similar and they kind of play that up in this movie more than like I thought they would, or, or more than I remember anyway. Um, uh, the, the line I like to quote, which wasn't even in this movie, but it might as well have been, is 
we're not so different, you and I. Yeah, actually, if you had told me, like, hey, remember the part where the Joker says that? I would have been like, yes, I do remember it when he said that, even though he didn't, because it, it yeah. might as well have been in this movie. Um, and, yeah, they're, so they're both inflicting their will upon independently upon Gotham. You know, both of them think they're actually improving things. You know, even the Joker, who thinks, like, he's getting rid of all these guys. You know, he, I feel like the Joker's plan at the end is really like a, a eugenic plan where he's just getting rid of all of the desperate people who want who need money right he's like passing out bills in the in the millions and he's just like yeah we'll get all these people out here you know, those people that are desperate for free cash yeah well, those are the people i want to kill first <laughs> um and they both of course dress up to make their point clear they're both like fear and and symbols right i mean the joker is in himself a public figure he goes out and makes these press releases or like put, you know, hijacks the TV camera. And then he says, hey, Joker here. You know, he he's his own celebrity. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, he's playing with the whole symbol idea, just like Batman is. And of course, the big thing is that they made each other, which I was hoping they wouldn't implicit, like explicitly said, it, but they really hammered it home at the end. But he um, Jack Napier killed Bruce Wayne's parents which of course leads him to becoming bad right right he's trying to stop the crime in, in gotham uh and of course uh bruce wayne or batman drops jack napier into a vat of chemicals turning him into the joker of course there's bigger things there's other things at play here but you could say that both of them had a pivotal role in the other one's creation so it only makes sense that they would have to face off eventually yeah it's kind of a bond they share it's like the creation of the other yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think these are both, like, very powerful figures in Gotham. You know, Jack Napier has been influential for a long time as a, as a crime boss, but so has Bruce Wayne. You know, he's the town billionaire, so he's just kind of there, um, you know, funding things and trying to be a good citizen. Um, and now he's taking it to the next level. Yes, and we, we touched on this a little bit before with the whole, some people think you're as dangerous as the Joker, that Vicky mm-hmm. said that to Bruce Wayne, to Batman. Uh, yeah. The people of Gotham don't know who is the good guy. Right. I mean, the, the Joker is, uh, has a uh, fake news campaign to you know, slander Batman. And, of course, Batman is not going to show his face or anything. And there are some people that are claiming that Batman is working for the mob, and he's you know, eliminating competition for other people. I mean, that's something that they say to, to Knox in, at the paper. So, you know, and then, of course, Knox is like the reporter. He's, um, he's not sure where Batman is either, right? He's like, there's this winged guy going around Gotham. Who can we trust him, right? Right. He's, he's menacing the city. He's beating up yeah. these uh, alleged crooks being judge, jury, and executioner. That's right, man. Where, yeah, where are the Miranda rights? <laughs> <laughs> um, and the last thing that makes them similar is that they're both freaking obsessed with Vicky Vale as soon as they see her and how hot she is. Oh, yes. As soon as they see that they're play- she's played by Kim Basinger, they're like, ah, gotta tell her who I Those am. Those <laughs> legs, though. Okay. <laughs> we can get into that in a second. <laughs> um... But yes, they're very similar, uh, which makes them such a intriguing uh, face-off. Like these two are, uh, you you can see this matchup in various iterations, and it's always right intriguing. Yes, and I really do think they're, I mean, two sides of the same coin in a way. Um, you know, I think both of them 
either like one could be the other although they both had very different like backgrounds and everything and their motivations are very different where they end up and like who they are as people are almost the same i agree with that okay so let's go into some more classic batman things namely the characters yes and i want to start with alfred and this is pretty much par for the course alfred he's caring he's kind he's old he's there with (laughs) Bruce is the is he, yeah he's the only <laughs> other person in the house there definitely old and he does butler stuff and also knows who Batman is um, he is uh, yeah he's um, played by Michael Gao Michael Gao and Michael Gao does well in portraying Alfred as he should be as opposed to the Alfred we got I'm quickly gonna take a dig at Batman v Superman because in mm. that one we got like sexy Alfred. <laughs> And it does it definitely does not work as well for go- like Alfred to have Carrie like a chiseled jaw and be like rivaling uh, Batman in attractiveness. I like the fact in, in age, too. yeah, in age, too. yeah. Like Alfred should be this old, kind man uh, who plays the butler. That's who he is. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, he is. I mean, he, he's like the moral center and everything, and he's always you know encouraging. Bruce Wayne to like start a family or find other people to be in his life. You know, he's tired of seeing this guy that is this man that he raised, this man that he loves, like in such pain. Right. Right. So right. He, I don't know. He, he, it's a subtle role and it doesn't have a big, he doesn't have like a big part in this movie, but he's there and he's, um, he's well, there is well that- hold on, hold on. Because there is one part where I kind of have to shake my head at Alfred was when, Bruce tells Vicky that he's heading out of town for a few days. And oh, then yeah. Vicky says, all right, well, I'll see you guys when you get back. And Alfred should know that Batman <laughs> is going to be doing up to something. And he shouldn't blow his cover by being like, oh, no, we'll be here for sure. Like, you know, <laughs> and, and I just felt like he should have been a little bit more keen to more of a, more of a wingman. You yes. Mean? Yes. He should have uh, should have picked up on the hint. But other than that, yeah. he was flawless Alfred. Yes, there was that one part where you first see him when they're at Bruce Wayne's party, and he, um, uh, Michael, Ke- uh, Bruce Wayne is putting down like glasses and putting like pens in like bushes and stuff, and Alfred's coming by him back around and and uh, picking up after him. <laughs> he doesn't like leave a mess everywhere. It's pretty funny. Okay, so uh, the next classic Batman character is Harvey Dent. Um, who is played by Billy D. Williams, most famously as Lando in um, Star Wars movies. That's right. And uh, he had a surprisingly small role in this movie. Hmm. I, I don't know. I was, he actually, I guess you're right. I, I feel like I kind of expected to see more of him, but I right. feel like it you could have had him. just Commissioner Gordon in every scene where you had Commissioner Gordon and Harvey Dent. Yeah, I feel like he should have had more agency. He should have done something, right? Because that was the whole thing with um, The Dark Knight, right? Was that they started with the Harvey Dent Accords or whatever they were called. <laughs> he had the Harvey Dent Act. Yeah. And they were able to like put a bunch of criminals away at the same time. But you don't see him do very much in this, uh, in this situation. It seems like a lot of bureaucracy that you, that's behind the scenes. Yes. Right? He, he's just kind of the face. He's not even like, he's not doing anything. Although there's that really big poster of him in that first room. Well, yeah, I mean, he's definitely a key character in the Batman universe, so his inclusion makes sense. Yeah. Um, but 
but he doesn't have a huge role, which I'm not saying is bad. I'm just making an right. observation. It maybe would yeah, it would have um, was distracted from the rest of yeah. it. But you know, it, uh, if this movie was made today, um, it would have ended with some sort of hint that he would be two faced in the sequel. Yep. Right. Yep. He would have like flipped a coin or like gotten burned up or something. It would have been an after credit stinger. Like, <gasps> yeah. <gasps> Harvey Dent is two-faced yeah and and that's come back for more yeah like harvey dent will return in batman <laughs> 2 like two-faced or something but and, and to tell you the truth i'm glad they didn't do that i don't know if it's necessarily better or worse but i'm just sick of it uh so it, it is a little bit refreshing to not have them so like up in your face about ooh, secrets is blessed right yes it, it really is i mean this, if, if we were reviewing this movie in 1989 that probably wouldn't be something we'd say because we would have yes. no idea that that would be so overused in the future uh, but th- speaking of excess uh <laughs> <laughs> commissioner gordon <laughs> um Commissioner <laughs> Gordon in this one is fat. Okay, I'm just gonna bring it up right now, um, and it totally surprised me. I um, I'd always seen Commissioner Gordon as this kind of like, uh, g- you know, gruff, experienced, but also like in the very much in the field, uh, police mm. chief or commissioner. Maybe we're just spoiled by Gary Oldman and the Christopher Nolan movies, but yeah, he's um, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't really do anything. He's kind of useless. You know, he's kind of going around. Like he's trying to get rid of the corruption and everything. He seems to have like a, his heart in the right place, but he's definitely like clueless the whole movie yeah. and like doesn't doesn't do a whole lot. And of course, it is like there's that one scene at the very end when um the bell has fallen down the tower and it like blocks the doorway, and then Commissioner Gordon comes up and tries to push it, and then that's it. Like that's the police's effort to get into the bell tower. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to use this, all this weight I've accumulated over the last 10 years to push this bell away. <laughs> nope, not going to work. He pushes it, and he's like, well, I've done all I can do. Like, pack it up, yep. boys. <laughs> uh, all right, boys. The police are done here. We're done our yeah, job. They, they straight up don't help, because even when the Joker's helicopter shows up, they're nowhere to be seen. Where's the, where's the crowbar? Yeah, where's the police helicopters? What's going on here? Whatever. Yeah, so, yeah, Commissioner Come Gordon, on. like, slacking in this version. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so some other characters that aren't traditional uh, Batman characters, but have prominent roles in this movie. First of all, um, Alexander Knox, who is one of the reporters. Yes, and, and if you had any doubt that this movie was made in 1989, <laughs> you, you'd, you'd lose all doubt once you hear Alexander Knox open his mouth. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the first thing he does when he sees... Well, the first thing he comes in, he comes in and he's like, down on his luck. Yeah, that was... Okay, let's back up a little bit here before we get to the sexual harassment <laughs> that he goes through. What? Or that he, he initiates. Yes. He, um... Is he a good reporter or not? Like everyone makes fun of him for tracing this Batman story, but he's also there at every at every major event. You know, he's there at like when the when the governor or the mayor is speaking. He's there, um, you know, with Vicky Vale when the Joker's attacking the city. Um, I can't remember where else he is. He's oh, he's at the scene of the crime when Batman's there. He's he's everywhere. He's great. He's being a great reporter, but everyone gives him all this crap. I don't know. They're just busting his balls. Maybe they're. Uh, Maybe that's how they joke around in the in the eighties. Maybe that's how they do it. They're at the the news station. Yeah, the news. Factory. What was it called? It was the uh, Daily Gotham. I can't remember. Yeah, I, 
Although I think it had two editions because Vicky said something about the evening edition. So I don't know. <laughs> Lots of crime, but also like high rate of literacy in the city of, of Gotham, I guess. Definitely. But yeah, so as soon as he sees Vicky Vale and she's there reading his article, the first thing he says is, hello, legs. Good God. <laughs> he's, gosh. I mean, like literally the, like, the next four lines are all like sexual harassment suits waiting to happen. And of course, Vicky Vale is like, you know, a professional. So she just kind of brushes. Yeah, it she off seems used like, to it. She's very much focused on like what's what's going on here and has to deal with the good old boys at the news station all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> but like, OK, again, back to this whole bad reporter or on down on his luck thing. He does eventually get a Batman story on the front page. I mean, that's the one that Jack Napier is reading after he becomes a Joker. He's like. What does he say? Something about um, the Batman stealing his press? Uh, yeah. Or is that later when he's on TV? Um, I think that's on TV. Yeah, because he, he shoots that second TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he destroys a lot of TVs in this movie. Tube TVs yes. were so more, way more satisfying to destroy than the, than the TVs Definitely. we have today. Now, if you that punch so your true. TV, it turns off and it looks a little bit disheveled. Back then, you punched your TV too hard and it exploded in a fiery inferno. Awesome. <laughs> way better yes um okay so then the other character we, who we've already mentioned is vicky vale um and she and bruce wayne start uh hooking up pretty quick real quick movie. real quick just first date um of course she is a very confident and confident uh, uh photojournalist yes and she is then like she was on the cover of time magazine for her pictures of dead people which um the joker is very happy about <laughs> well the joker tries to neg her when he's at the museum <laughs> uh negging for anyone who doesn't know is like a red pill strategy for ga- uh getting women to be attracted to you by uh making them feel bad about themselves uh and right. the joker does this by saying uh, that her photos all suck even though one of yeah. them is literally the front of national geographic Right. That's what it was. Yeah. So, yeah. She, but she was great. Um, you know, she was, like, very curious about who Batman was. And eventually, of course, because she gets so close to Bruce Wayne, she figures it out as he reveals it to her. But um, he's, like, she, like, stalks him around, takes pictures of him and stuff. So, yeah. I don't know. She was a good character. I liked uh, seeing her in this movie. Yeah. She, and let's not, let's not judge her too hastily because, A, she scored with, like, a billionaire. So that's cool. Uh, and, B, like... <laughs> Uh, you know, she's trying to get as much information as she can in this city that she's not a resident of. So uh, maybe getting in close with Bruce Wayne. I mean, obviously she like falls in love and all that stuff, but uh, maybe initially it was more about the uh, the scoop. Yeah, well, okay. So she was just visiting Gotham, right? But she had that super nice apartment. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a, that's another Joker Batman similarity. Oh yes, yes. Because they so both said there's like a lot of space in here. Yeah, they walk into the apartment. They first the first thing they do is they they look around and say, "Oh, this is nice. A lot of space in here." <laughs> <laughs> that was such a good repetition joke. Uh, yeah, that was so funny. Um, and then of course uh, she does she does uh hold up some of the women tropes like she gets captured at the end by the Joker, yep. damsel um, in distress, then, you know, hung. Right, and then of course she lies about her weight. Right, when they're using the grappling hooks together. <laughs> yeah, how much do you weigh? Oh, about 108. You weigh a little more than 108. 
Oh my gosh. I, like implying he has different grappling hooks for different weights classes. Right. Like, <laughs> whatever. Um, another yeah, so no, another female character no. in this movie, uh, uh, another woman in this movie, uh, Alicia Hunt. And uh, all I could think of whenever I saw Alicia Hunt in the frame was women be shopping because <laughs> every scene that she's in is her returning from another extravagant shopping trip. She has all these shopping yeah, she, bags in her hands. Yes. Yeah. So, and yeah, she's really not that prominent. Nobody seems to like her that much, even though she's the reason that Grissom um, tries to betray Jack. So. Right, and if you didn't have enough reasons to dislike uh, Jack Napier from the beginning, he thinks it's so ridiculous that uh, Grissom would betray him over a woman. He says, you yeah. set me up over a woman. A woman! Like, it's not, It's not. <laughs> you set me up, it's a woman! So, yeah. uh, you can see dis- where the attitude of these, these men are at this time period. Very much a product of his times. Um, so another, another person we've already mentioned, Carl Grissom, great crime lord. I mean, he does, <laughs> he does try to off Jack, which of course backfires uh, perfectly. Um, and when, they, when they're setting that up, right, like, he's like, ah, like, Jack, why don't you take care of this personally? And, and Jack's like, oh, why should I? And then Grissom's like, oh, you're just my number one guy. And then when he leaves the room, there's literally a rattlesnake sound effect. Um, playing in the background. It's like, if you couldn't be any more obvious, <laughs> this guy's about to betray the other guy. It's just... Uh, I didn't notice that. Oh, my gosh. And so he... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, he was not that prominent in this movie either. I mean, he was just kind of in the way, but um, I don't know. He had his own uh, kind of air to him because everyone would talk about him and how much like power he had in the city. So. Now, um, I'm sure we'll learn as we continue this month of Batman... Uh, some of this stuff, but are any of these kind of side characters, Alexander Knox, Vicki Vale, uh, Alicia Hunt, Carl Grissom, are they recurring characters in the Batman universe or are they exclusive to this movie? I have literally no idea, but the only one that I care about is Bob. Yes. So. And that is that I totally agree with that. And uh, we've already gone over it, Bob. If any, if any of them are going to recur, it's gotta be Bob. Please, please. Oh my gosh. Begging you. But, uh, <laughs> Okay, so a couple of quick things we have to talk about. Um, I mean, actually, these are pretty classic Batman things, is yeah. Wayne Manor and the Batcave. So Wayne Manor, in this one, it's just extremely huge and lavish. Bruce Wayne hasn't even been inside some of the rooms in his own mansion. Well, that's what he said. That's what he claims, anyway. Maybe that's just a clever line. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Well, maybe he's... I keep getting tricked by his rich guy tricks. <laughs> 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 but he uh but he, but yes. also he doesn't seem to like it or is that just another rich guy farce and does he actually love eating at Ooh, long tables and having I mean, knights in shining armor in his building i, I, I mean I, I can't tell it does like it does seem genuine he does seem like he is kind of scattered or something and that he's not used to being around people um and then like the house kind of does like vicky vale says like some of this is you and some of this isn't you you know and he kind of agrees with that, which I, I guess I kind of agree with as well, right? Like they're like the Bat Cave, of course. I think is what what he's referencing at that moment. He's uh, saying that that is yeah. very much me. And there are certain other things, you know, they're entertaining guests. And, you know, well, yeah, things. and I think part part of it is probably just inherited, right? Like it, the Wayne Manor was obviously his parents' 
manner before his. So maybe a lot of it is just left over from the previous uh, Wayne regime. And then maybe that's exactly what it is. You know, maybe the house is just a sad reminder of what he's lost. Um, and so those, these things that aren't me, you know, he just keeps them around because they're reminders of his parents. I think we found it. I think that's it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so the Batcave... Uh, and the Batcave, which we saw the entrance to, looks like you're about to crash into a wall, but then you just kind of fly right through it uh, That's cool. on their drive-in. Yeah, that was it definitely spooked Vicky on her way in. Yeah, um, that, that whole drive to the cave is so cool because the music is just swelling and the, Vicky Vale is trying to, like, trying to get a close look at Batman. Of course, he's really dark, and he actually shines a light <laughs> in her eyes so that he can't... She blinds her for a second, which was so funny. That was funny. But um, it was just... I don't know, it's just like a cool moment that you know, Danny Elfman's score just rises up and you're just like, I don't know, um, it's an awesome little Batman moment, just in the car, driving as fast as possible to the Batcave. Right, and then the Batcave actually had bats inside of it. it. It was a cave and it had bats inside of it. So, um, and, and, he, and Bruce mentions, or I guess Batman mentions, that bats are great survivors. Right, which I think is like his reference to himself, right? That he's a he's a survivor. That's why he's he identifies with bats. Sure, and I mean that's something because the premise itself is pretty wacky to choose <laughs> to look like a bat. Like you could be something else. Yeah, let's back up here for like, a second. <laughs> you could be something else. You know, you could just instead of having the ears on top of your head, you could just have a silicon head, and instead of a bat logo, you could be something else like Wayne man or something. Um, but, <laughs> but like, at least he has something to draw upon for inspiration for being a bat. Right. And he, I mean, he has that whole cave down beneath his house. So I guess, I guess, yeah. I wonder if like the cave was probably already there above Wayne Manor before he ever became Batman. So he's like, I finally found a use for that cave. <laughs> yeah. Bats. Okay. So the last thing to talk about really is the final showdown between Joker and Batman. Right, because this is this, this is, is kind of what the whole movie builds towards, right? It, it's yeah. like establishing the city, the problems, who the Joker is, who Batman is, who Vicky Vale is, and the relationship between and, those guys. And the parade, too, because the city's going to have the 200th anniversary parade for Gotham. And, of course, they cancel it at the last minute because the Joker is terrorizing the city so much. And then the Joker comes on and says, no, there's still going to be a parade. And I'm hanging, handing out 20 million people. I mean, dollars. <laughs> so, yes, $20 million no. to all the people. And he challenges Batman to a 1v1 uh, at the parade. <laughs> yeah, 1v1 me, bro. Energy swords only. Yes. And uh, Fox only, Final Destination. It, no items. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and just like any of those 1v1s, this was going to be high intensity. and uh, <laughs> Extremely. So right, And when he's on that broadcast, because the Joker reveals all his information via a hijacked yeah. broadcast, he starts spreading his fake news agenda saying that he's not a killer and that Batman is the real, the source of real terror. Yeah, well, I mean, he says, like, I, you can trust me. I've taken off my makeup, even though he's clearly put on makeup to make him look like, you know. Like a person, himself. yeah. Yeah, like a person. And he claims he's going to give away $20 million in cash, but he doesn't tell you that, that that's bait for him to kill you. And, of course, he says, I'm not a killer. Batman is the real terror, which um, is, you know, 
There's there's some truth to that, but, but it's, he definitely is a killer. It's actually fake news, though. So uh, hashtag, yes, hashtag fake news. news. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but what does Batman do? Well, he does the only thing he can do, which is uh, a little, a little bit of t- a domestic terrorism. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So he goes to the chemical factory where the Joker has been hanging out, made his base there, and he um, drives the the Batmobile in there and then drops off some Well, he, he drives the Batmobile in there, puts, goes into shield mode, and then yeah. the genius goons run up with their pistols and just start firing point blank at this rock-solid vehicle. <laughs> like, I, I'm yeah. surprised that they, they weren't getting ricocheted and hit. If it was real life, that's what would have been happening, but because, like we talked about, the gun effects in this movie sucked, so yeah. they just shot at it well they they all died anyway in the giant explosion that you see from like far away you know there's, there's no like there's no like hints that these guys got out alive he just went in there and, and totally bombed a occupied building so yep they uh they all joined bob in the great evil lair in the sky so i uh r.i.p <laughs> <laughs> the chemical <R>. goons. Bob. <laughs> <laughs> okay so the joker is um Dance into Prince, and he's throwing like great, like uh, free money, um, literally then, redistributing wealth. So maybe, fo- right? maybe he saw that tweet. Maybe he did. That's how he knew he's gonna get back. <laughs> uh, the moral high ground. That's right. Although, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, but then he starts gassing everyone with his giant balloons full of Smilex gas, which I guess is lighter than air because it makes the thing. Flat. Has to be. Although they like, yeah. It's, wasn't that the balloons were filled with the gas? Oh no, no, like they the they were, had canisters on them, leaking gas. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Everyone starts falling over with clutching money in their hands, and they're dying. Um. But then, um, Batman swoops in with his bat wing, and uses, like, literally the most convenient tool in this movie, which is some sort of balloon grabbing, like, attachment to his, uh, flying bat shaped jet. It was like scissors. <laughs> it was like yeah, they're like big old like. Well, what are those for other than catching balloons? I don't. I have but, maybe a maybe he was gonna hopefully one day be at the like the opening of the new town hall and like. Oh, cut. he needed to swoop in and cut the ribbon. Yeah, you need big ribbon. You need big scissors. That makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I think this this is like the point where the movie gets a little meta and the. Um, uh, the Joker says, why didn't someone tell me you had one of those things? <laughs> <laughs> well, I also yeah. call it a thing because does he explicitly call it the bat wing? Because I was, okay. I was trying to, I was, I, I don't have any other experience with Batman in a flying vehicle besides the end of uh, the dark Knight rises. And I, right. When it's called the bat. Right. And, and in this one, I, I I, as you know, I, I referred to it as the bat jet. <laughs> I yeah. totally missed the opportunity to call it the bat wing, which is a great name for it. And uh, in the same vein as the naming conventions for the uh, starfighters in Star Wars, uh, as for the space, you know, the, the spaceships and star X wing, right. Y wing, B wing, R- bat oh, wing. Uh, and obviously, Star Wars was huge at the time. So, Batman taking, taking a page out of their book, obviously. Um, Definitely. Definitely. And, uh, but yeah, he gets the, uh, he swoops in with his giant Batwing scissors and cuts him free. What is the name of Batman's plane? The Batplane. Okay. 
Was it really? How fast is that? Bat plane. Is it actually not called the bat? It's also called the bat. Okay. Not to be confused with. Yeah. Not to be confused with Batwing. Is that a which is something else? Okay. There's the Batwing, but there's also Batwing. I don't know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm sticking to my guns here. I'm saying it's the Batwing. I. Because like bats have wings. I agree. No, that sounds that 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 makes sense to me. Okay. Um. Glad we can. (laughs) Glad we can agree on that. Um. So after he's, he's so he's got some people, but the balloons are gone. Right, right, and then okay, so yeah, the balloons are gone, and it's safe, I guess. But so sure. the balloons disappear, and now everyone's like, "All right, no one's dying anymore. Let's go back and get more money." <laughs> yeah, makes sense to me. <laughs> Let's take it out of these cold. But dead the hands. Joker is right there. Like you just watched him and his goons put Batman's the real terror. Oh, fake news, dude. That's just that is fake news. But um. Right. So okay. So then we have a scene that was, uh, for me, it was really similar to a, a memorable scene in The Dark Knight, where the Joker stares down mm. Batman in an incoming vehicle, and he's basically cha- like asking for it. He's like, "Hit me, you know, do it." And uh, in The Dark Knight, Batman just doesn't. He didn't want to kill him, but in this one, he tries his best. He pulls out the, yeah. the, the Gatlin guns and shoots missiles at him, and all of that misses. And then the Joker pulls out this comedically long-barreled pistol, fires it one time, and Batman like, spirals out of the sky in a, uh, a cloud of smoke and crash lands in Gotham. That, <laughs> that reveal of that revolver is incredible. <laughs> he's, like, he's got it tucked in his pants, right? And he just pulls it out and it's as long as his legs. <laughs> And he pulls it out and points it, shoots one bullet, and it's like he like backs up. Later, he folds it up so that it's like regular size. <laughs> like it's like a telescoping. That's why. Why? I love that. That was. I was like, what is this movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I honestly. That was so funny to me. But yeah, you're right. I mean, he gets. He gets. He fall. Like Batman's plane crashes batman survives i think it would have made more sense if they'd stuck to not stuck to i guess but if they had done what eventually happens in the dark knight which is batman can't bring himself to kill the joker mm. he doesn't want to kill him well this movie doesn't have like an explicit like i don't kill people sure message right there's a one guy at the very beginning when he says um don't kill me man and then batman says i'm not gonna kill you oh i want you to tell your friends batman. actually i'm glad you brought that up because i was hoping that uh, he would do a reference to that uh, another line for the Dark Knight that I love, where he's like, "This a fall from this height won't kill me. I'm counting on it." And then he like drops yeah. him because it wasn't that far. I don't know. I don't think that guy would have died if Batman had dropped him. But I don't know. Uh, but um, yeah, that that would be kind of cool. But it also like he didn't need to. He was already in the hospital. Or really, like, I was in the hospital. So yeah, it was crazy. So yeah. So but, so then um, okay. So I I want to know if you know of the origin of Joker's bang flag that comes out of the end of his gun no because i know i've seen that in other in fact i've seen it in the fighting game the dc fighting game um Mm. that's like joker has like some special move where he like points a gun at you and pulls the trigger and it's it's just the a flag that says bang on it and uh i want to know what that's about i I, because he kind of just pulls it out out of nowhere here he's like oh quick reference to this and we're off right he like does that before they go up to the top of the, the tower there 
Yeah. But I don't really know. Yeah, I don't. I I'm not sure what that is. Maybe that's a callback to like the classic, like pows and ka- kablams. You know, when like Batman was punching people and they would like cut to, the uh the sound effects on a monopoly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know no, about? I know exactly what you're talking maybe, about. I think that might maybe be that's, it. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But I don't know. This is a classic Joker gag yep. to have a fake gun. This is bang. Out of it. I don't know. That's kind of funny. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> um. Yeah, so then, of course, they're fighting, and then Batman um, is he's, well, he's super injured. But I also like this, this part where he's, he's going up the stairs, and he, like, looks up, <laughs> but he can't move his neck, so he moves his whole body at, the, at his waist. <laughs> that is, that yeah. is consistently funny throughout this movie. Batman trying to look around without turning his neck. It's great. It is great, and Michael Keaton does a great job of making it seem serious, even though you like every time you see it, it's like you're just reminded of the absurd situation he's in. But it's so someone should go in so cool. and like dub like the sa- like silicon sounds whenever he oh t- like the rubbing. <laughs> That's so funny. Have you ever seen those that like I don't know what it is. It's some uh, channel on YouTube that removes the sound from uh, like music videos, and they insert their own sound. <laughs> no. so there's like there's one of like. Uh, of uh, Hotline Bling, where all it is is like like a phone vibrating and then Drake stepping, like the sound of someone <laughs> stepping in an empty room. It's really funny. <laughs> I have to look that up. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, so yeah, Batman is injured at this point, so he's fighting all these goons, and of course the goons are like extra extra good against him because of his injuries. He was just in a plane crash, you know. Well, I guess that's true, and and I guess I kind of overlooked that because. Uh, I was kind of surprised when that like other goon was kind of beating the crap out of him. Uh, and yeah. I'm like, I'm supposed to believe this. This is Batman. But you do make a good point. He was just in an actual plane crash. <laughs> so, I mean, even Batman's <laughs> going to be a little bit phased by that. But in the end, he's able to gain the upper hand and send this guy flying off of this giant building, definitely yeah, he, like, pushes like killing him for sure. Well, maybe he would have had a better chance if he hadn't been wearing shades in the middle of the night fighting someone <laughs> dressed in all black. <laughs> That's funny. But he looked cool. <laughs> Definitely looked cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, so then uh, the Joker and Batman are facing off. They're, you know, exchanging blows and exchanging words. Um, right, and, and, and the Joker, you know, he claims that Batman made him, and that's why this is yeah. happening. But then, uh, what I think is kind of like the quote of the movie is uh, mm. where Batman's like, "I made, I made you. You made me first. Like, kind of turning the table yeah. on uh, on the Joker. Right, and then he like pushes him off, or whatever. But I can't even remember exactly what happens. Basically, they're all hanging <laughs> from the building. Vicky Vale is hanging by the building. Batman's hanging from the building, and so is the Joker. <laughs> um, and then the Joker's trying to get onto the um, the helicopter that's there to rescue him. And Batman shoots a grappling hook around his leg that also attaches to a gargoyle on the top of the building, which eventually drags Joker to his death. At right, last, and you, know, you could argue that maybe Batman wasn't intending to kill the Joker here. Maybe he was just trying to, like, well, try to pull the like the helicopter's trying to pull him away, but he's stuck to this gargoyle. And you'd think that the Joker's grip would be weaker than the concrete that's holding the gargoyle in place. But instead, the Joker rips the gargoyle free. <laughs> <laughs> but then they're just set up there. I don't know. 
There's a good strong breeze, and those things will yeah, fall. Yeah, it looks like they are actually pretty fragile, but anyways, they are heavy, and that ends up being enough to drag the Joker away from the ladder. So, But the Joker could have been like, hey, guys, up there, like, put me down for a second. Let me untie this rope from my leg. Yeah, hey, bring <laughs> the, know, like- the Joker brand helicopter over the building so that I don't fall to my death. Could they not see what was happening beneath them? Like, I don't know. I'm not sure. That was a ridiculous situation. And then, of course, he falls to his death. Right, right, right. So he falls to his death. That's the end of the Joker. But Batman and Vicky are still in trouble. Uh, Luckily, Batman never has a shortage of grappling hooks on hand. (laughs) So he's able to uh, try to save them with that. But just like in all climactic cliffhangers, they... There's a point where it seems like all is lost. Like, they actually do lose their grip and they fall. And then Batman shoots the grappling hook up. Now... I, <laughs> it, 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 he shoots the grappling hook up as they're falling. It catches onto the building and stops their descent, probably like halfway down the building, and they're fine. Yeah. Right? False. That's definitely, they're both definitely dead because that, like, just because a grappling hook stops you from hitting the ground doesn't mean that you didn't just fall 30 stories. Okay. When it, when, especially the way that it stopped, it was no, there's no elasticity to this grappling hook at all. It was right. as soon as it caught, they, stopped instantly and uh i took yeah it ripped your arm your arm right out of your socket yes i I, um i took a rock climbing class in college so i'm college educated on this subject oh yes (laughs) yes and once you reach terminal velocity stopping immediately is gonna kill you like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you get caught on the on the rope or if the ground catches you you're dead so that if you know anything about basic physics that scene uh is definitely unrealistic so nice try batman next time try gliding yeah. to the ground okay come on batman <laughs> i can't believe what are I you can't... claiming to be a a fun movie for the whole family and you can't even get physics i right? can't believe batman did something unrealistic with grappling hooks <laughs> i cannot believe uh, neither can I. Sad day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it, it it doesn't kill them. There, he saves the day. Sa- gets the grill, and uh, and Batman wins uh, another victory for Gotham. Another victory for Gotham. That's right. All right. So um, let's end on some uh, some great lines yes, from this movie because it was chocked full and of them. Yes. We'll we'll have we'll add a little bit of context to some of these. So. Um, the first one I have written down is that, um, when I think you've already mentioned it, the the Joker is watching TV and then he of course shoots his TV and he says, "What kind of world do we live in where a guy dressed up as a bat gets all my press?" <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I love because he's like trying to he's trying to like be a um a public figure or whatever he's trying to like get his message out of fear and Batman keeps showing up and being like. Ah, uh, you know, here's a here's the solution to this problem. Right, and then uh, he also, when they're on the steps of like the like courthouse or something, where all the mimes were miming it up, all the goons were miming yeah. it up. Uh, the Joker. Well, what exactly happens here? He pulls out a quill and he throws it into like the guy who's speaking's throat That's right. and says, "The pen is truly mightier than the sword." <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> not yes, not exactly how that you know that idiom is normally used, but <laughs> I um I I love this next one because they had Batman 
incapacitated. They uh, a couple of goons yeah. knocked him out, <laughs> and then th- I think Bob was one of them. And well, and then they say check his wallet. Like who is this guy? <laughs> check his wallet. I think that's a reference to the next movie we're gonna do, which is uh, Batman and Robin, when they talk about the Bat credit card. <laughs> His bat wallet. <laughs> I'm so excited about that. Um, yes. But another another line. Um, what, what, when was this? What was the context for this one? Uh, the decent people shouldn't live yeah. here. That one we talked about earlier. That one was um, when the Joker or Jack Napier is talking about like all, like uh, something in the city. He's talking about the people in the city, and he's basically lamenting that you know decent people shouldn't live here. I think he was watching the news. And he was basically saying that this this town is run by criminals. It should be for criminals. You know, I think it's a salient point. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, you know, he's actually looking out for everyone else. <laughs> um, and then there's this crazy line that like almost doesn't make any sense when uh, Bruce Wayne and uh, the Joker are facing off in Vicky Vale's apartment, and Bruce Wayne grabs a fire poker, and he says to the Joker, "You want to get nuts? Come on, let's get oh, nuts." Oh yeah, that didn't. That was kind of out of character for Bruce. <laughs> It was crazy. He just like smashes something and he's like, you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. That's a, I don't know. That's like a classic thing. I think about that all the time. He just, he wanted to get shot, I guess. That was him trying to get the Joker to shoot him in the serving tray. Oh, that's right. He had the serving tray underneath of him, underneath his shirt. Forgot about that. And then the Joker, right before he shoots him, he says, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? It's his, which is a, is that a reference to something? No, actually. I looked it up and it's only a reference to this movie. And I saw a couple of things that were like this is a this is a really deep phrase. Um but I don't know if it really is. It, I the interpretation I saw said that this is like um a like have you ever tangled with fate moment. Uh-huh. It's like I think you know th- meet your destiny, meet your maker is kind of what he's saying. But he's also saying he's also asking uh, to find someone like him. Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? He feels like he's danced with the devil in the pale moonlight. He's looking for someone who will answer that question yes. I think, he, think yeah, right. Just... And he's, I mean, he's looking for Joker. I mean, looking for Batman. He's, uh, that's right. They're so, uh, the fact that I just confused their, their names is, uh, <laughs> says it all. Proof enough, yeah. yes. Um, and then, of course, the, the, one of the last lines in that scene is that um, he says, my, and my smile is only skin deep. Because of Vicky Vale broke his heart. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, well, can we talk about that scene for just a second? That scene didn't make any sense to me. So Bruce Wayne shows up at Vicky Vale's apartment to tell her that he's Batman, yep. right? Right before he can, the Joker shows up with all his goons, boombox in hand, and um, like makes a whole play toward Vicky, and like you know. Bruce uh, confronts him and everything, and then he shoots Bruce, and then he just gives her a gift and walks out. He doesn't kidnap her or anything. He gives her like a a present full of dead flowers. Oh yeah, with the hand that like scares her, and then she like faints, and that's it. And like, what was the point of that? I'm not. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. I kind th- that whole apartment scene for me is kind of like a blur. <laughs> it's like, does this really belong it's in this very movie? Bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the point of that was. Okay, and then uh, right before uh, the Joker uh, releases his Smilex gas onto the, the adoring fans. At the parade. Right. He says, one of my favorite lines, And now comes the part where I relieve you, the little people, of the burden of your failed, useless lives. 
It's pretty, yeah. <laughs> he, it, it, I mean, now he's really being honest with the people, not like he is on TV. And like, yeah, and it's not like anyone pays attention. All they care about is the free That's, money. That is very true. And uh, the last one we have is when it's the end of the museum scene when Batman busts in yeah. to save Vicky. Uh, he uses his grappling hook zip line tool zip line. and flies <laughs> yeah. out of there. And the Joker's like, where does he get those wonderful toys? Great question. Which it kind of is a great question. Isn't it Alfred? I think he builds him himself. They don't explain it really in this movie. In the other yeah, in the other movies they, they sort of explain that he has like a contractor or something. But he's yeah, it's not Oh yeah, no, it's not Alfred. That's right. It's it's uh it's not clear who built the Batcave, who built the car or the Batwing or uh or the toys. It's kind of implied that it's him. But I th- he just actually has him. I have a theory. Okay. It was Bob. No. It was his previous job. He was he was Bruce's assistant. <laughs> I hope that's, that's the only guy I can think of in this movie who is competent enough to put all this together. Uh, that is such. It a good seems point. unlikely, but I mean that he's the only one. Yeah, you're, you're right. There's no denying that. <laughs> okay, is there anything else about this movie? How, like, let's talk about like overall feelings. How did you feel about this? In, like the terms of the Batman canon. How does this hold up? Well, I think that it's a pretty good portrayal of the joker um overall i didn't feel like the plot was all that compelling but i like we said Mm -hmm. at the beginning i think it's a fun exploration of some of the characters in the batman universe but overall i don't think that this movie at a surface level brings a whole lot i think that if you sat down and you'd never seen any batman before and you wanted to uh see what all the hype is about this would not be the one um it's not terrible obviously but um there's, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't want to come over as, I don't want to come across as overly negative about this movie, but, um, it, it felt, I don't know, a little bit muddled. Okay. I, um, I kind of disagree with that last statement and that like, this is not a great, like first Batman movie. I think it is a pretty good Batman movie because it kind of introduces the character. It kind of gives him that kind of gravitas and stuff. And sure. It's kind of silly and wonky, but it also is endearing in a way, you know, like, I think the the strong character development in this movie makes you kind of makes you you can't help but like the movie in, in my opinion. The um um the other stuff, you know, the the bigger themes about like vigilantism and stuff, that's covered in like other movies and that's like a more that's like a bigger point, but just as a like a fun Batman movie that tells you about Batman and, you know, the Joker and how they're related and connected. I think this is like works pretty well. You know, it doesn't doesn't go outside of its lane very far. It stays like focused and it um it delivers. I definitely agree with your point on the Batman Joker relationship. And I think that's I mean that that extends beyond specifically just this movie, but this movie does do that really well and it is a really strong point. Um and I I mean also the fact that it's so uh it has Michael Keaton and uh, Jack Nicholson. I think that uh, it's it was really cool to see those guys on, uh, like in the DC universe, I guess. Yeah, and it, that, that, from that standpoint, it is like a nice like film history kind of homage. Yeah, way, right. It's it's something that will um, kind of last for a long time just because of the people that are worked on it. But yeah, I'm excited. It's got me riled up and ready to talk about more Batman. So I'm, I'm I can't wait to get, get going next weekend. <laughs> me too. All right, this has been a lot of fun. Right. Thank you, Joey.
Hey, thanks for listening to Affable Chat. You can find us on iTunes, Google, or your favorite podcast app. If you want to help us grow the podcast, share it, rate us five stars, and or write us a review. It really helps. Have a comment about something we said? Tweet at us at AffableChat or write us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. Check the description for links to any of the outside topics we discussed. And once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.